Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, the Lutheran confessions that have stood the faithful test of time, or rather have stood the test of time to be faithful. And uh, it's a great blessing that we have that in our church, that it provides us true unity, a true unity in our confession of faith. And to do that also, we will have the discussion of this reading with a couple of Christ-confessing Concordians. I have with me today Pastor David Wiest, who is the pastor of Concordia in Evansville, Indiana. And then I am Pastor Sean Smith, your host, and I'm the pastor of Emmanuel and St. Paul's in Southern Illinois. Pastor Wiest, good to have you with us today. Good to be here. All right. We've had you on the show before, and uh, we're very pleased to have you back, uh, especially as we kind of fire back and forth here as we read through and dig into uh, what we've been covering here for uh, a while now on the show, the last several shows, maybe the last month or so, uh, as we go through the small called articles. And we're in part three, article three of repentance. And we're going to wrap that up today. And so we're going to provide a nice overview in case you've missed those previous shows, uh, please feel free to go back into the archives on kfuo.org and you can listen to the previous shows there. But we'll also do a nice wrap up of that today. But we're also going to dig into some things in the last paragraphs here that that need some explaining, some some digging into to understand what's going on here. Why, why did this matter at the time? Why does it still matter for us today as we confess the truth? of what we believe, especially in regards to repentance here. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. I'm going to pick up here. Again, we're in the Small Called Articles, which is written by Martin Luther himself. And I'm going to pick up, we, we read right at the end of the show last week, paragraph 40, but I'm going to pick up with reading with paragraph 40 as I think it flows into them what we're talking about and kind of refresh our memories there and, uh, and read just a couple paragraphs here. So uh, small called Articles, Part 3, Article 3 of Repentance, picking up with paragraph 40. In Christians, this repentance continues until death. For through one's entire life, repentance contends with the sin remaining in the flesh. Paul testifies that he wars with the law in his members, citing Romans seven fourteen through 25, not by his own powers, but by the gift of the Holy Spirit that follows the forgiveness of sins, citing Romans 8, 1 through 17. This gift daily cleanses and sweeps out the remaining sins and works to make a person truly pure and holy. The Pope, the theologians, the church lawyers, and the rest know nothing about this, but it is a doctrine from heaven revealed through the gospel, and the godless saints must call it heresy. All right, I'm going to pause there. As we have said many times on the show, sometimes it seems like these are fighting words here. Uh, we, we saw that in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, the Augsburg Confession, uh, and then also we see it here in the Small Called Articles, uh, that they're, they're pretty forceful with this. I mean, they call them godless saints and that they know nothing about this, this great doctrine from heaven uh, that is repentance, and, and that'll tie into where we go from here. 
but I'm going to back up. We didn't really get to cover this on the show last time, but in paragraph 40, it begins out, in Christians, this repentance continues until death. Pastor Weiss, what do you think that means for us? What And, and how does this tie in that the theologians know nothing of this then? Yeah, it, well, it's a great tie-in to what we, uh, you almost have to go back to that to take a look at, at the paragraphs we're going to look at today. Um, because when when we talk about repentance, we're talking about what is really uh, the, the life of the Christian. Um, it's not um, something that happens in conversion and then, and then we set it aside because sin is no longer an issue for us. Um, for as long as we live in this world, sin will be an issue for us, and the way we deal with it is with this this wonderful gift of of repentance and, and even more importantly the, the not more importantly but in addition to that the, the gifts that follow of forgiveness life and salvation in christ so i like what you said there that this life of repentance is really the life of a christian that connects in with what really began the whole reformation we've made the point on this show that uh, this article is really quite the hub of the reformation of course the first of the 95 theses written by martin luther again kind of what we we attribute as the start of the reformation when he posts those 95 theses says the whole life of a believer should be one of repentance and so you certainly reflect that and you set it aside and so you said we don't set it aside, and again, still reflecting what Luther says there. So, so would would it be fair to say then that we don't outgrow this need for repentance? That uh, um, you know, why don't we outgrow this? Why uh, it, it does say in here that you know it, it works to make us uh, truly pure and holy. But how does that tie in here? Right. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, the, it, it's not the idea that that uh, I've I've repented and and um, I've I've been converted and and now um, now it's up to me right to to uh, to live that godly life um, and kind of to work that out on, uh, under my own strength. Um, but but repentance is 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 really the way in which. Um, how do I want to say this? It's our faith is that that we are made holy in Christ, and 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 therefore repentance is 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 um again is 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 the life and breath of the Christian. It's it's like breathing for us. We we recognize our sin and we recognize God's expectation of holiness, and and it is and, and that holiness is found again not in our works but in Christ. So. So how do we receive? How do we receive Christ? Um, how is it that He comes to us? Um, I'm sure we're going to be talking quite a bit today about. Um, John talks about this a lot in his first epistle. Um, we confess our sins. God is faithful and just and forgives our sins and cleanses us up from all unrighteousness. So, so we continue to be sinners, but but um, but we're we, we contend with that sin, and that's the the Holy Spirit working in us. Um, so how do we contend with that skin with that sin? Um, well, our faith is in Christ, so we contend with our sin by recognizing our sin and 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 faith grabs hold of Christ where he promises to be. So that that brings up an interesting thought for me then. So we and we've again talked previously about this just a little bit, but uh, I'd like you to to get a little more into this. You, you said we continue to be sinners, but we contend with that sin. 
Luther references earlier in the article, uh, I think we covered this last week, actually, that, you know, to be a truly pious monk, he and others became so dedicated that they would they would actually go to confession pretty much like all day. Uh, and, and they were they were, you know, really pretty zealous about this. Is that what you mean by how we contend with it? Because we continue to be sinners? Should we should we basically be in confession all day as as is that how we live this life of repentance continually? Or, or could you be, you know, kind of flush that out a little bit for us? Yeah, I, I think the problem with that is, you know, as I was preparing for this today, I, I was reminded of, um, I hate to tell a vacation story, but I uh, family went on vacation not that a couple of months ago and, and um, visited family out west, and, and we ended up, I know you hate this because you're not a fan of birds, but, but two of my boys and I went birding over on Antelope Island in Salt Lake City, and we were there. It's a great time for birds, but unfortunately that's because it was a great time for bugs, and, and the insects were, were swarming us, and some of them were just annoying, but they have these little um, um, gnats that bite. And even if you're wearing some sort of protective gear, they get in and they bite. And it was, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And yet we, we kind of tried to persevere and find a place where they weren't at. And, and, and finally we got on top of a mountain where there was a breeze, and the breeze kind of blew those gnats away. I, I think when it comes to the issue of repentance, sometimes we make the mistake of feeling like the repentance, when, when we turn it into a good work, um, when it, we, we turn it into, boy, I've got to make sure I'm always confessing my sins because I'm always sinning, and if I don't stop confessing, or if I do stop confessing, then, you know, what happens if I die and I wasn't confessing and, and I'm stuck in my sin? That's totally, that's totally miss, missing the point. Instead, what we're looking at is um, Christ has given us the forgiveness of sins, um, and, and, and the sins are sort of like those gnats that are biting at us, um, and we're desperate to find a place um, where we can get some relief, where, where we can go up, up kind of above the gnats where there's a cool breeze, um, and, and that's what we as Christians find in repentance. Um, not that, that if, boy, if I sinned and then I forgot to, I'm not forgot, but I, I neglected to repent, you know, as I was you know, careening off a cliff or something like that, that, that now, you know, I, my goodness, is that, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? That, that misses the point. Christ has died for my sins. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace. And, and, and he gives me these gifts in, in, in very specific ways. And boy, that's where I want to be. You know, my faith wants to, just wants to grab hold of, of that freedom that has been given to me, um, through faith, by by, uh, by, by by grace. Does that help at all? I don't know. Yeah, no, I th- I really like what you did there. I, first of all, you, you did an excellent job of bringing this right back to Christ and the centrality of Christ, which is exactly what Luther and the Lutheran theologians are doing here, not just in the small called articles, but as we confessed it in the uh, Augsburg Confession, the Apology, and then will again in the formula and, and continue to this day that uh, we, we, we see... And I think this is what they're getting at in paragraph 41, and is really why I backed up to 40 to give us the context of when they say, you know, that they know nothing about this. 
and, and mm -hmm. they and he calls them godless saints and, and they call what we're confessing a heresy it's because they've misidentified how it works again they, they've taken repentance and turned it into a work and so i like that image that you give us there you know of kind of these gnats biting at us and so forth and so if it's up to me to continually swat them away yeah i'm going to be occupied all day and and i'm going to be you know doing an insufficient job of it and yet christ is the one who has truly wiped out the gnats right and i think in in the new creation possibly wiped out the birds too because they bite oh. at me but uh, <laughs> uh you referenced there my my dislike of birds but uh you are indeed correct in this image i think you know that uh that christ you know we don't want to take this too far that he's the cool breeze you know we could we could uh yeah, sensationalize yeah, no, no. this in a little bit and so forth but but you know in a sense you know he he is the one that has just removed the problem completely away from us and when our hearts come to rest in that in the gospel and, and this is going to be a key connector then as we move forward and especially going into the next article article four here in part three of what is the gospel um well th this gets us to it that it's not incumbent upon our work it's what christ has done what he has completed and we come to rest in that and that that's true repentance which is worked by christ not by us and our work so i i like what you did there thank you very much um and and, and also then tying in what you know kind of these fighting words of you know calling them godless saints and that they know nothing about this it truly is a doctrine from heaven or high on the mountain in your image and so forth uh it, it's a truly beautiful thing when we recognize it's the work of christ not us go ahead well two things one and I, I he is he is hard on him he but but at the same time when he says but it is a doctrine from heaven um you know what we're talking about is is the gospel we're talking about divine revelation something we're not going to figure out ourselves and and that's why we have so much trouble with it because we keep falling back into what what kind of makes sense to us um our, our default mode which is always works and and so um it, even though he's hard on them at the same time i you know calling a person ignorant is just means they i mean they don't get it because they're not going to get it unless um they they just believe what the scriptures say. You know, I mean, it's it's revelation. They're not going to figure it out on their own. The other thing is, I mean, one of the reasons I was uh, that image popped into my head was because I've been uh, rereading because of the con uh, our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod having convention this this weekend. Um, the theme uh, revolves around joy, so I've been looking again at Matthew Harrison's book on a uh, little book on joy. Um, and one of the things that he said that kind of stuck myth with me when it came to repentance, because he talks about it, which you know may seem a little weird to talk about, to talk about joy, uh, talk about repentance in a book about joy, but he says gladness dies along with the demise of repentance. Um, so why do we repent? Well, I mean Luther in his cloister was repentant out of because he was scared to death. Um, we repent in faith, knowing what's coming, and and that's which we've got some paragraphs to get through. But but I mean that's why what follows this article is is what follows, which you'll you'll talk about next week. But I mean what follows is baptism, the sacrament of the altar, the office of the keys, the gospel. Um, that's what follows, and and so. You know, we don't look at jo repentance quite in the same way that, that, unfortunately, some of our brothers and sisters in other church bodies do. I mean, at least I hope we don't. Um, we recognize our, our, our repentance is, is, is something that we do. We, we approach God with joy because we know when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just 
and will forgive our sins. Um, so there's a joy that, that, you know, I don't think the world gets but because this is a doctrine from heaven, but there's a joy in repenting because we know what's coming. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, when you know the gospel's coming, right, uh, you, you have no problem right. acknowledging the truth. And I know Pastor Nava and I talked a good bit about this last week as well. Um, you know, that, that that's the real danger of this, because when it when it isn't coming upon my works, you know, of my doing it, well, then I just don't have a lot of security. And Luther certainly talks that way just prior to this, too, you know, that there's no security in that because it, it's going to constantly accuse me of that law. And when people have this misunderstanding, yeah, it becomes a very depressing thing. And that's why people get really scandalized when they come into a Lutheran church. And the first thing that we do is confess, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you. And they're like, oh, it's just such terrible, it's so depressing in the Lutheran church. And it's like, no, no, the gospel's coming. And when you know it, when you have great confidence in it, it's a beautiful thing. I can say, yes, this is who I really am because God sees it anyway, right? He, he, he right. knows the truth. And confession is just simply saying along with him what is true. And, right. uh, so, and so I, I love your quote of bringing in there, Pastor Harrison, of gladness dies along with the demise of repentance because Otherwise, I'm stuck, you know, on my ability to do it, which I realize is is often failing. Actually, yeah, exactly. That's and and the going to the liturgy is the perfect example of it. We have con, we have the confession, which yeah, it, it is a scandal to some to some people, especially week. I mean, if you want to do it once or twice, but week after week after week, saying the same thing. Come on, how much do I have to say this? But but it's it, it's leading us. To joy, right? I mean, there's repentance, and what follows always has to be absolution, the forgiveness of sins. But but in the in the liturgy, not just in the service of the word, but the service of the sacrament. In both of those cases, what follows is is these beautiful canticles, these these opportunities for us to sing glory to God in the highest, or holy, 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 because because now here we are, we're in the presence of God. Wait a minute, how did I get here? I'm a sinner. Um, that's what I just confessed. Yeah, but, but you receive the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, I, I, I'm. My mind's even wandering back to the image that you gave us too of kind of the gnats going away and so forth. What joy is there in knowing that you know I have to constantly swat away all these gnats? You know, it's it's been pretty wet here in Southern Illinois, as I'm sure it's been over there in Southern Indiana for you too. That uh, um, you know, as we we've been out kind of, and I live in the country here. You know, uh, just you know. My wife and I sitting on the on the front deck and so forth in our porch swing, uh, you know, just trying to swat the bugs away. And it's it's just maddening. What joy is there in that, that I have to do this all the time, that I have to do these works? There is no joy. Uh, but there's great joy to know that, hey, they've been taken away for you. You don't, you don't have to do anything. You just sit there and enjoy. I mean, yeah, again, not to stretch the image too far, but you know, it, it, I think it does kind of fit. So It's just the, it's, the, the image... The, Again, having having been there, it was it was awful, and and the whole sense is just uh, the sense of relief. I mean, that that's the whole point of it. There's just this enormous relief, and and when I know that's the place to go. I mean, if I went back to Antelope Island today, and I had the same problem, I know exactly where I would go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I know where they're not at, and and that's where I want to be. Um, yeah. yeah, relief. Yeah. That's a, that's a good image. I, I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. So it's a doctrine from heaven. It truly is. We, we want to be up there where, where, where God reigns and dwells and, and wipes away, um, 
wipes away our sins. It's it's just beautiful. I'm going to move forward if that's all right. Yep. Uh, we're yep. going to pick up with uh, paragraph 42. Uh, again, small called articles, part three, article three. I, I realize on this show, I don't always uh, remind where we're at, <laughs> but uh, for our listeners, we are in small called articles, part three, article three of repentance, picking up with paragraph 42. On the other hand, certain sects, that is S-E-C-T-S, meaning, you know, <laughs> groups may arise. Some may already exist. During the peasant rebellion, I encountered some, here the I being Martin Luther, uh, speaking and writing here, encountered some who held that those who had once received the spirit or the forgiveness of sins or had become believers, even if they later sin, would still remain in the faith. Such sin, they think, would not harm them. They say, do whatever you please. If you believe, it all amounts to nothing. Faith blots out all sins and such. They also say that if anyone sins after he has received faith and the spirit, he never truly had the spirit and faith. I have seen and heard many such madmen. I fear that such a devil is still in some of them. So it is necessary to know and to teach this when holy people still having and feeling original sin and daily repenting and striving against it happen to fall into manifest sins as David did into adultery, murder, and blasphemy, citing 2 Samuel 11, then faith and the Holy Spirit have left them. The Holy Spirit, it does not permit sin. I'm sorry, I lost my place there. The Holy Spirit, it does not permit sin to have dominion, to gain the upper hand so it can be carried out, but represses and restrains it from doing what it wants, citing Psalm 51, 11, Romans 6, 14. If sin does what it wants, the Holy Spirit and faith are not present. For St. John says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, and he cannot keep on sinning, citing 1 John 3, 9. And yet it is also true when St. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All right, so so what's going on here when, when Luther cites uh, these sects, these these groups that have arisen during the peasant rebellion and, and so forth. Uh, what what's he talking about here, Pastor Weist? Well, I, first of all, I, just, I I had an opportunity to take advantage of of uh, your archive show from last week because I hadn't listened to it and um, and listened to it this this afternoon, and um, I could see you guys, you know, getting close to the to the end. And you got to that paragraph 40 that we started with today, um, and and your enthusiasm for that paragraph. I mean, that was that's the climax, and it's the perfect setup for what's coming in the next few articles. And and then we have what you just read, and it starts with these words. On the other hand, <laughs> and my, my first reaction to that was, wait a minute, you set it up perfectly for the next the next articles why are you why are you adding and on the other hand um but luther you know we may say he's been hard on on the pope or or roman catholicism in his time um but he's he's equal opportunity um and he recognizes that out of the reformation um have come almost from the very beginning really out of the reformation have come um additional false teachings and um and controversies and and so um he, he goes back um and in fact this section that you just read um he added um to this article two years 
um, after the theologians signed the original small called articles. This is one of the um, additions that, that he made. Um, and and it, it addresses other abuses. And, and you know, uh, Roman Catholicism then or now does not have a, a, a corner on the market when it comes to bad teaching. Um, so, so this addresses some things that, um, that may get a little closer to home for some of us, um, just like it did then for, for some of the people. In fact, even some of the people who signed the small called articles um, prior to this edition or this editing didn't necessarily um, like what he wrote in this paragraph because it hit so close to home uh, to some false teachings they were. They, they had in their midst. All right. Yeah, I, I, I like how you've set this up for us. We're, we're unfortunately going to have to take a break here, and we'll come back and, uh, and cover this some more. But uh, before going to break, essentially you're, you're saying that, uh, you know, there, there are other issues with repentance here, and, and probably some of these we see more still in our present context uh, as, as other things that came out of the Reformation than maybe even what we see going on with the Roman Catholics at the time. But we'll cover that when we come on back from break. So please join us right after this. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for me. Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. If you're interested in building a great career, the Missouri Army National Guard is interested in you. The Guard will pay you to train for a wide range of jobs, such as engineering, combat arms, logistics, transportation, and military police. The skills you'll learn are needed in the Guard and are in high demand in the civilian job market. Plus, you may be eligible for a $20,000 bonus and student loan repayment. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Your family gathers to celebrate your retirement from a career of over 40 years. Tears of joy for your newborn child are mixed with tears of sadness as you hear the sobering diagnosis. You softly smile to hide your sorrow as you watch your wife struggle to remember your daughter's name. Whatever your season in life, whatever your joys or struggles, Christ is for you. Hear the gospel message daily on KFUO. Author Lisa Nichols Hickman says in her book, Writing in the Margins, 
Margin acts as a bridge from the text of the Bible to the context of this world. It is sacred space. In 1830s Philadelphia, a stack of old books, including a Bible commentary, was purchased for a family library. When a friend of the family, a Lutheran pastor, opened the commentary by 17th century theologian Abraham Kalov, and based on Martin Luther's translation of the Bible, he recognized a familiar signature, Johann Sebastian Bach. In the commentary were more than 300 markings and underlined with 25 passages, noting biblical text with musical insights. It came to be known as the Kalov Bible and was credited with the inspiration for more than a thousand of Bach's musical works. Engage with the Bible. Create your own bridge from centuries past in the continuing impact and influence of this book of books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. And welcome back to Concord Matters. We have with us a couple of Christ-confessing Concordians today, Pastor David Weiss, Pastor of Concordia in Evansville, Indiana, and myself as your host, Pastor Sean Smith, and I'm Pastor of Emmanuel St. Paul's in Southern Illinois. And we are continuing to make our way and, and finishing up uh, this article on repentance in the Small Called Articles, written by Martin Luther himself, Part 3, Article 3 of Repentance there. And uh, right before the break, uh, we, we read actually the rest of the article, uh, uh, and, and I just want to dig more into this. And, and, I, and I like what Pastor Weiss set us up on there. Sometimes I feel like the break, unfortunately, comes at an unfortunate place. I wanted to jump right in there, and, and you set us up really well. So I just want to kind of refresh uh, uh, for for us and, and kind of set that back up again. Essentially, we were saying, you know, uh, you know, I, I agree with you with what you said that, you know, paragraph 40 kind of brings us to this, this is a beautiful climax, you know, like a, uh, as, as pastor, sometimes, you know, this is this is the way you want to end a sermon. Right. Uh, but right. then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, Luther jumps off into and says, you know, but on the other hand, you know, so, so we've just spent several pages dealing with the, the, the false teaching, what, what the Romans don't understand, the, the Roman Catholics, the papists don't understand about repentance and, and what they're teaching wrong. And, and it's really bad because it's leading people away from Christ instead of finding their trust and security in Christ. And, and it brings to a great hub. But then, but then he says, but then on the other hand, we kind of have these other issues here. Some other groups have arisen. And uh, you share that, you know, these were even kind of added later by Luther, um, and, and, and I'm going to kind of break it down this way and you, you can push back against this if you, if you see it another way, Pastor Weiss, and maybe we can talk about it. But, uh, yeah. the, the way I see it breaking down here is essentially you kind of have these, these two camps, you have the, you know, what I'll call the once saved, always saved. So do whatever you want, do whatever you please, because faith worries about all of, uh, you know, faith covers all of it. Uh, so you don't have to worry about it. You can just do whatever. Um, right. Essentially, it's kind of what he says there in sites there. And then on the other hand, you kind of have this, you know, well, if, if you're doing these things, if you're still living in sin, well, then you never had real faith anyway, because once you've been perfected in faith, you don't sin anymore. And I would say that these two teachings definitely in the, in the language that I've used, the once saved, always saved, um, but these two teachings comes out come out of you know what we call the reform tradition, following John Calvin, uh, Ulrich Zwingli, another reformer in there, uh, uh, you know, kind of of that group as well. And we see this especially still broadly in a 
what we call American evangelicalism. Uh, you know, you have your big non-denominational churches, your your Presbyterian, your American Baptist. You know, a lot of them kind of fit in this camp, and you'll see a lot of this theology at work in their theology still today, and common thinking still today. Um, uh, in American Christianity and well, well, Christianity throughout the world as well. Um, so, so I don't know what what are your thoughts on that? Is that a, is that a fair summary to kind of say, you know, this is what Luther's saying is on the other hand? Yeah, yeah, I I think it is, and I I mean I think you you've gone right to uh, church bodies where where this is 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 part of their public confession. Um, Having said that, I, just backing up just a little bit, um, you know, the, he he references the Peasants' Revolt, and and I mean that was what I mean somewhere between ten and fifteen years before he wrote this, um, and and I think that's interesting. I I um, I'm not a I'm not a historian, but it, it caught it it caught my eye that that he was referencing some. Clearly, it's it's an issue in his present time, um, but he went back fifteen years and. I personally, I, I don't know why, but I think that's helpful for us. Um, what he's pointing to is there was this great social upheaval, um, and there's nothing like a social upheaval to reveal people's true beliefs. And and I think as we continue to have this conversation, we, we can definitely recognize there are certain church bodies that have um, this as their as part of their public confession of faith. Um, but this is this is pretty insidious stuff, and if, if it, it, it easily finds its way finds its way into each one of our hearts, um, especially when there's upheaval, um, for example, within our family. Uh, it's really easy for me to to fall into, for example, well, I mean, I don't want, just hypothetically speaking, I'm not speaking about my children, but, but just hypothetically speaking, um, obviously I don't want my children to do something that's contrary to the will of God, but if they are, then I might be tempted to say, well, as long as they believe, um, because I don't want to address the issue of their sin. So it's it's really easy to 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 fall into this, no matter what your church body. And I know as a you know as a parish pastor, just like I, you you see this all the time, um, and we're tempted with it all the time to, um, to to fall into this trap of well, I've got I've got faith, and 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 that means my my uh, my actions don't matter. Um, they can kind of be excused, and and this is really all apart from acknowledging it as sin or repenting or or anything. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and 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 I definitely want to, you know, be clear on this too. I I'm not just condemning those those uh, church bodies that uh, you know I pointed out there and so forth. I, I like the way that you phrase it. This is a part of their public confession of faith. Just take a look at what they've written down and said, this is what we believe. I mean, this is what we do on this show. We go through what is written down about what we believe, what we as Lutherans agree right. that our congregations and pastors will confess according to what Scripture clearly teaches. And so, you know, we're, we're pointing out what we believe, and yet we still also see this temptation. I mean, I know I even grew up with this thinking because we're just we're so influenced by it, um, by the culture around us and also that sinful nature within us. And and we talk about this all, show all, all, 
on this show all the time. Just because we're pointing out error doesn't mean that we're we're speaking negatively about those whom we would actually consider brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about how do how do we identify and come to an agreement on what is truth, what is what is truly confessed by Scripture, and uh, and so. But yeah, we we definitely see this. We see it in our own parishes. Uh, I see it in my myself in my own life growing up that I definitely had this understanding. I fell off probably more to the camp. Um, at one time early in my life of, you know, what he says here, well, you know, you can basically do whatever you please, because if you believe it, it doesn't really matter. You know, faith right. kind of covers over it. That thinking is what I call the once saved, always saved. And then, and then later in life, I, I remember right around college, you know, later high school into college and so forth, I was really wrestling and kind of wandering away from the church and things like that, even uh, at that time. And I started wrestling with, well, you know, did I ever really have faith anyway? Um, right. you know, and I'm, I'm thankful for a faithful pastor in my college life that, that really opened up the scriptures and the confessions to me to teach me these things. But you're, you're right. We, we, we definitely see it everywhere. Go ahead. I, I think one of the things that, I, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we base our confession on, on nothing but, but God's word. But, but I will tell you that, that, um, there's, there's a certain aspect for, for me that one of the one of the, I guess, Lutheran, certain Lutheran teachings to me have a ring of truth, and I, I, I'm not suggesting we, we base doctrine on a ring of truth, but it, it, it rings true when, when I don't really want it to be true, but it seems like that's what I keep coming to, <laughs> you know, and, and this is one of those things, especially when, I, again, when I think about, uh, um, when I think about loved ones um, who have fallen away, and I don't really want to face that. Um, you know, there's this, this ring of truth because I don't want it to be true. And there's, it's one of the things, uh, it happens quite a bit in Lutheranism where, where I, you know, my, my heart kind of hates to, at first, at first anyway, kind of hates to find out that this is what the scriptures say. Um, because, because, you know, my heart tends to want to go back to, to works, to being saved by, by some way other than Christ. Um, but there's that ring of truth that, that, um, this must be what it's saying because because I can't come up with anything else, and it's this isn't what my heart really wanted it to be in the first place. Um, I don't. Yeah, the the desire for different words. I think that's a, a almost a direct quote from uh, one of Luther's writings that I'm struck. I think maybe it's in Galatians where he talks about you know this is a part of our original sin too. Is that uh, you know it's our desire for a different word. You see it there with with Adam and Eve in the garden, especially Eve in that conversation with the devil. Is you know uh, this is what God says, but I want different words, right? And right. and we yeah. and we yeah. follow into that. And and I like what you said up there too. And and I'm gonna have you talk more about this, but maybe even back you up a little bit too uh, before I, but, but um, to highlight what you said too, you, you were talking about, you know, especially as it comes into our children and we see this a lot too, that uh, we, we want different words when we see our own children um, and probably even more so I would say in my experience, we want this more for our own children or those who we really love and care about 
um, even more than our own selves, even though for ourselves, we definitely want different words as well. But when it concerns our own children, rather than dealing with the, the matter of sin, I think you said um, that that we want these different words. So I'm, I'm going to have you talk about that, but I want to back you up. And, and, and for the benefit of our listeners, I know that they can't see notes that I requested from you before going on the air and so forth. So I'm just going to read from your notes uh, just because I like the way that you phrased it here. And I think it and then I want you to go ahead and talk about it. So you said now that these false teachings have been revealed, it is necessary to know what is true and to teach what is true and then you yeah. say truth when holy people fall into open sin faith and the spirit have departed from them and we see that reflected in you know these paragraphs here at the end on this uh article on repentance so go ahead and talk about that and, and feel free to connect that back into what what we were just talking about especially when it comes to our children and those we love you know what is open sin identify for that and and, and how do we wrestle with these these words the spirit has departed from them those sorts of things Good. Yeah. Well, let me read that because the, the, we, we read the, the things were, well, in fact, let me let me back up. Let me just make sure everybody's heard the, the things that aren't true. I mean, here are two statements that, that we kind of want to believe are true and we hear, unfortunately, taught and, and preached, but, but, but they're not according to the scriptures. Um, number one, do what you will. It matters not as long as you believe, for faith blocked out all sins. And the second one was, if anyone sins after he has received faith in the Spirit, he never really had the Spirit in faith. Those are untrue statements. Those are, those are not scriptural statements. And, and, and that's why Luther is so harsh um, in his, his condemnation, and, and you may even say a little bit of name-calling. And, and we may want to say, well, what warrants such? is there anything here that warrants such criticism? And the answer is yes. These are untrue statements. This isn't what the Bible says. And it gets right to that, that, that comment about the different words. Um, it, is, it is a terrible sin to try to force words into God's mouth. It's not wise, and it, it's not safe. Um, these, are, 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 um, these are untrue statements. So, so then the question is, okay, well, what is the true statement? And you read it a moment ago. Um, when holy people fall into open sin... Faith and the Spirit have departed from them. That's, it, it, the open sin may, is something we need to talk about a little bit, but otherwise, this, this is a pretty clear statement. I'm going to read it again. When holy people fall into open sin, faith and the Spirit have departed from them. Those are not the words that we wanted to hear, right? Um, but that's the truth. And, and so that's kind of, yeah, that's the next step. That's what we've got to deal with. So I, for me, the, the person trying to find a loophole, I want to know what open sin is. Um, you know, we're always looking for a, 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 um, a loophole. So what is open sin? Well, um, Luther deals with it. Um, he deals with it, first of all, by telling it, us what it isn't. We are not talking about those who still possess, and I'm quoting here, still possess and feel original sin and daily repent and strive against it. We, are, we said that at the very beginning, and you, there probably hasn't been an episode where you haven't said it. Um, we are still sinners. Um, we recognize that. Um, that's what repentance is all about, is recognizing that. Um, we still possess and feel original sin and daily repent and strive against it. We are not talking about those people when we're talking about open sin. So what are we talking about? Well, what Luther does is, is he goes to the scriptures and, and he goes to the example of, of David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Um, when David fell into adultery, 
And as a result of his adultery, trying to cover it up, he murdered the husband of Bathsheba. Um, and, and as a result of that, even uh, blasphemed God. Right? Um, so Second, second Samuel, um, and, and then also Psalm 51, where David himself talks about, um, about this, this, this episode, um, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is what we're talking about. Um, this is what Luther, I should say, is talking about when he's talking about open sin. Um, and I, I don't know uh, where you want to go from there, but, but it's, it, he's not talking about people um, who, I mean, we all recognize that we, we still are sinners. Um, we daily repent. We strive against it. That's not what David was doing. Um, what David was doing is what Luther is calling um, open sin. Yeah, I think I talked about this with Pastor Nava some last week too about you know kind of what what's the the greater sin? I, I think I even tied it into uh, I, I follow the one year lectionary and the previous Sunday. Um, oh, I forget the text now, <laughs> but uh, basically, <laughs> uh, Saint Paul was talking about you know things that he did in his pre converted life, of course, right, and, and then uh, you know I, I related that into you know what what's worse, you know knowing what is right and wrong and doing it or being in ignorance of it. Right. Well, the, the reality is, is that both are bad. Both are transgressions, of course. And I want to be clear on that. Uh, but, but it certainly is, you know, this, this open sin of, you know, David had God's word. He knew it. Uh, and, and yet he went right on and didn't fight against this. And uh, you know, I, I often use this, uh, you know, uh, kind of comfort for folks that as they struggle in sin, um, you know, it, I, I talked about, you know, at one point in my life too, I kind of wondered, you know, it, it brings up that question, well, do I even have faith? Did I ever have faith, right? And I use this uh, is what my pastor used with me. He said, you know, well, if you're wrestling with it, that's a pretty good sign, right? Because you know who doesn't wrestle with it? Those who don't have faith, they don't care about it. They're not even going to think about it, right? Um, but uh, if, if you're wrestling with it, if you're striving against the sin, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you don't fall into uh, sins and, and, and things like that, but you're striving against it, right? You're living in God's word. You're coming again and again uh, to, to receive what Christ has done in wiping out all sin, where he has repented you, right? And, uh, and so we have that comfort. But then on the other side, we have this, you know, well, I know that that says, and, and I think this probably speaks to that once saved, always saved mentality, uh, probably a little more um, in the sense of, well, yeah, you know, I know what God says, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump off there and um, do what I want because, well, faith covers over it all, right? And uh, and I think that that's probably a, a quite a bit more dangerous, and that, that's definitely the open sin talked about here. Um, so, so go ahead and talk about how this relates then uh, to our, you know, uh, well, why does this concern those who are listening to this? Why does this concern you? Why does this concern me? Uh, you know, how, how do we, how do we find this play out in our life? I, um, one of the things that, that frustrates me as a pastor, um, with my people who I love, I've, I've been at Concordia for 15 years and they are, um, in many ways, they've been a breath of fresh air that entire 15 years. They're a joy to serve. But they do frustrate me uh, occasionally. Um, and, and one of the greatest frustrations has to do with the issue of people um, who have left um, the faith. 
um, who have, have walked away from the church, um, from word and sacrament, from repentance and forgiveness. And, um, and, and seeking um, their family that is active, seeking their help in, in reaching out to them so that I can talk to them, um, so that I can address an issue of sin in their life, so that I can address um, their having wandered away. Um, it, it's so scary for those families um, to allow me the opportunity to do that. That's been my experience. They, they seem scared to allow me to do that. Um, they don't really want me to address, um, address the sin. Um, that, that's, that seems like to, to, to them often the worst um, possible thing that, that I could do. Um, and, and to me, this, these last few paragraphs um, speak directly to them um, and, and maybe to pastors who, who are scared to address the issue of sin and to call people to repentance. Um, and again, David's a, a great example. Nathan hammered him um, with a parable. Um, you are that man, right? Um, I, I, I guess one of the things I, I, would, I would love for people to hear is that the, the reason, I mean, I can't speak for every pastor, but, but the, the reason most of us as pastors want to make that contact um, is because um, the joy of the Lord and therefore the joy of the church is that the lost would be found, that sinners would repent, um, that the prodigal son would be back in the home, right? And, and, um, and, and, and that happens as, as we call people to repentance and, and we remind them um, what follows repentance um, because they're, they're stuck, Right, they're surrounded by those biting gnats, and and um, and it it is a it is a comfort and it is a relief that we offer, um, even while we talk about sin and we point people to to repentance. Um, it's it's for the forgiveness of sins, and and I don't know exactly how to do that, but but to me these last few paragraphs, um, I, I I appreciate so much how clear they are, and and. Um, I, I hope that people will spend time with them, and I mean, I, I hope that they'll they'll not shy away from it, or go or, or try to dismiss it too quickly, or find a loophole in open sin or something like that. But they'll hear these words: "When holy people fall into open sin, faith and the Spirit have departed from them." We have to take that seriously, um, and recognize that that the, the 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 way to to respond to the reality that we have loved ones. Um, who were who were baptized into Christ and and who were in the faith but are no longer who who do not have the spirit the spirit has departed from them the spirit departed from King David but but then we have my favorite psalm Psalm fifty one right Nathan the prophet came he shared law and he shared gospel right and, and David heard both and the Holy Spirit worked through both. And he was brought back, right? And and that's the goal. And that happens through the proclamation of law and gospel. So the law and gospel. So w- w- we have to contend with these words. We have to take them seriously, so so that we can get rid. Of, we can cast off our fear, and and we can go after our loved ones um, instead of pretending like somehow they're still in the faith when they're not. 
I, I think you're dead on target with this. And, and you know, you, you talk about your own context there that you've been in ministry for 15 years and you have a wonderful, faithful ministry there. That's why I have you on the show. And I, I was able to witness that firsthand for about four years when I was also in Evansville, Indiana. But uh, I, I can also save you a little bit and say, you know, it's not just your experience in the ministry to the dear saints at uh, Concordia there, uh, but I also experienced it just a few miles down the road when I was in Evansville, Indiana. I saw it also when I was in Nashville, Illinois, and I, I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in St. Louis and the congregations that I've been a part of, and I see it in the dual parish I see now as well, right? And 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 it plays out in this, right? Um, we, we, we'll even use these terms as pastors and so forth that people will self-exclude. It, it's a sign that the Spirit has left, and why, why do they stay away from the church? Well, I mean, sure, we have all the excuses that come up, right? Pastor preaches long sermons. I don't understand what's going on, right? All sorts of excuses that we can certainly help with, right? They may be hurdles, um, but but is that really a reason to walk away from Christ and his word that grants everlasting life? There, there's a spiritual struggle there, right? And at the right. root of it all, I have found, more often than not, is a is a lack of repentance. It's unrepentance, and they've self-excluded. They want to stay away from it because they want different words, right? And I know that that's what you've seen too. And so this is this is exactly you know the the real struggle that we have. And I like how you you brought in earlier in the show, you know, our, our theme for the convention coming up starting this weekend, uh, which I'll be a delegate at. And uh, be sure to tune in next week as I'll be doing a show uh, with Pastor Shear and uh, maybe maybe some others that will will gather to there, together there. We'll be doing a show from the convention, uh, but the theme is being joyfully Lutheran. And, and I, again, you know, why has gladness, why has the zeal for the gospel died in our churches? You know, well, gladness dies along with the demise of repentance, you know, as, as, as we, as we, you know, which you cited from Pastor Harrison's book, A Book on Joy, right? You know, the, the more that we've stayed away, stayed away from this, right? The, the more our congregations, our synod has struggled and, and we, I think it's a part of our American spirit. Again, it, it, it's, it's false teaching that has come into our minds and we get all these false understandings and conclusions. And so we start looking for everything else to save our congregations and to save our synod. But at the root of it all, it's long gospel, right? It's, it's the very foundation that the Lutheran Reformation and then CFW Walther at the beginning of the Lutheran Church, Missouri, Senate, and still today, it is God's word to us, which comes to us in law and gospel. And that's what we need. It leads us in repentance. I, I like what you said up there. I think it has very applicable things uh, to us in our immediate context as we interact with our own families, we interact with ourselves. It, it's just huge. I want to give you, though, with about a minute left, any thoughts to kind of wrap up uh, uh, things today? Uh, again, just a minute for you, Pastor Weiss. Yeah, I mean, the message, I think, not just of what we've been talking about today, but this the whole context of repentance, and as we move forward, talking about, you know, the, the gift of the gospel as we receive it through word and sacrament, the, 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 the message is that you don't have to be afraid to confront sin. In fact, the good news is sin can be killed, and it's through the repentance of sins. Sin rules where it's not confessed. Right? And, and, and so we repent, we confess our sins, and, and we are freed from it. I mean, the, the promise is, is relief, and, and, um, and, and don't be afraid of that. The, I, there would be all the reason in the world to be afraid of, of, of acknowledging sin if it wasn't for Christ. But Christ has died, and he has risen, and he gives us the gift of forgiveness. Repentance is a joyful act. 
for the Christian who believes that Christ has died for his sins. Well said. And uh, yeah, j- just as you said earlier, too, I mean, you know, when you know the gospel's coming, it really is a joyful thing for us. It's, it's how we're joyfully Lutheran. And, and that's where we're going to leave it today. Again, I want to wrap up and, and point you to uh, uh, there's great joy and repentance. It leads to the gospel. That's where we'll pick up next week with Article 4 on the gospel uh, and, and seeing how it comes to us and baptism and the Lord's Supper and so forth moving forward. Uh, but please be sure to join us next week as we'll be coming to you from the convention itself where we'll be talking about how we are joyfully Lutheran. That's our triennial theme for us in this convention. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for stopping by. And until next time, keep confessing, church. When he forgives the sins of the paralytic man, Jesus' opponents ask, who but God can forgive sins? What did they fail to understand about Jesus? Live Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Jesus healing a paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2. We'll also conclude our study of Psalm 82 with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Worldwide KFUO, a click away, 24 hours a day. Originating from the studios of KFUO Clayton, St. Louis, the messenger of good news. I'm Kip Allen with a KFUO News Update. Tomorrow, Federal District Court Judge William Oreck will hear nine motions brought by the pro-life defendants represented by Life Legal and other legal groups and one motion brought by Planned Parenthood Federation of America and the nine Planned Parenthood affiliates. Four years ago, the Center for Medical Progress released the first of a series of videos showing Planned Parenthood officials negotiating the sale of baby body parts for profit. Shortly after the release, Planned Parenthood sued the center and board members for millions in damages. The abortion giant maintains that it had to increase security at its many affiliates because of what they claim was a dramatic increase in threats, harassment, and criminal activities targeting abortion providers, including nearly 850 incidents of vandalism alone in July and August of 2015, and the ninefold increase in security incidents following the release of the videos. Through extensive discovery, however, life legal attorneys found these assertions to be blatantly false. Instead of 850, incidents, there were 20, none of which were connected to the videos. For example, one act of vandalism Planned Parenthood reported was actually committed by the ex-partner of a Planned Parenthood employee. 
The controversial abortion biopic Unplanned defied expectations at the box office during its opening weekend in Canada. It garnered more than 350000 Canadian dollars in ticket sales with a per-screen average of more than 7000 at 49 Canadian theaters, independents, Cineplex, and landmark locations. It was the second highest per-screen average in North America for July the 12th through the 14th. It was an impressive and surprising opening for Unplanned, despite the numerous obstacles it faced in Canada, including death threats and harassment against movie theaters that showed the movie, protests and fierce opposition from the country's secular media outlets. This has been a KFUO News Update. Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, facebook.com slash KFUO. Now you're just acting like a know-it-all. The following program, Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The opinions expressed on the program are not necessarily those of KFUO Radio or the station's owner, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. To contact Issues Etc., write LPR, Post Office Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234, or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org.